but Power Battle Friday, what's on the menu? Love Bites, that's what. Def Leppard, of course, who doesn't have the t-shirt. The song is from the really big album, Hysteria. In an era where metal and large teased tear on men were all the rage, Def Leppard loomed large. Highly produced songs that seem to jump out of your speakers. They're from Sheffield. Um, you're probably a bit, bit too young for Def Leppard, Max, here. Yeah? Yeah, but but young. Never yep. were a huge Def Leppard. No, okay. no. Yeah. But Julia, um, good band. Good band. Good, good band. Good band. Good yeah. band. Yep, yep, yep. Does it for me anyway. Well, not one of my favourites. No. So, good. no. <laughs> Here we go. A bit more. Might drive you crazy, right? Uh, that's Power Bella Friday. Now, by the way, someone said, don't tease Julia uh, about uh, Louis Vuitton. Rebecca says, and by the way, Louis Vuitton do gift cards and they don't expire. <laughs> <laughs> you see, see. So fair enough, thank you. All right, so we also had quite a big. Oh yes, oh my God, best ever love ballad. Take me back to high school crush uh, when it was taken very seriously. So there you go. Now, um, big response to Julia Hartley Moore's "I've Been Thinking," which says, "What is age?" What the heck is age? Why aren't we feeling younger? Why do people feel old at sixty? Well, with us. We have a person in Tauranga who can apparently put socks and shoes on standing up. Adele, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How old? I'm 66. Young. Young, absolutely. Yeah. What Young you... at heart, old in body-ish. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of what Julia said? I totally agreed with her. I think people, some people are old at 30. I think yep. totally. people just grow old. I have lots of people, that friends that I, well, no, I don't have lots, but people just seem to think I'm old now and it's finished, you know, old yep. rest of my lazy boy. Good on you, Adele. So there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a message in there, isn't there, that actually, yeah. um, n- not always, because age can be physical, but age, a lot of it or much of it, it's in the mind. Agree. It is in the mind. And you do need to exercise and you do need yep. to get out and, and enjoy life. And that's how I feel. Yeah, I can relate to this. I mean, I was, look, I was, I've been told that I, I was old at eight. I can recall, um, uh, go around to a friend's house, um, and, um, the, 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 the person I was visiting said, now, young man, would you like an orange juice? And I said, do you, do you have tea? <laughs> Oh and God, well. they, they, they looked at mum and dad, and they looked, they looked at each other, and then I said, coffee if preferable. Um, and so, yes, I was right. I was a tea drinker from eight, not juice. Uh, Adele, thank you. That's okay. Thanks for calling. It is 4.37. Max Harris and Julia Hartley-Moore with me now. A new poll has given some insights into why voter turnout in the local elections was so low. There are some key findings from the Horizon Research Poll Here's one for you. When asked what stopped you from voting, one in ten non-voters said they didn't receive their voting papers. 11% said they didn't know when to mail the ballots. Fewer than 40% of eligible voters cast their votes, and it continues an ongoing trend of declining participation in local democracy, and the research was conducted for public interest, not commissioned for a client, for a client rather, Horizon Principal Graham Coleman joins us. Kia ora, Graham. Yeah, kia ora. How are you? Good. And let's start with that. 
one in 10 non-voters said they didn't receive their papers. I mean, that could really make a difference. Well, that's the least of it. The the really big failure, I mean, we've only got about uh, two and a half million of the four million grown-ups in New Zealand who actually turned out to vote. And uh, three out of 10 said they didn't, of the non-voters, said they, they didn't vote because they knew nothing about the candidates. And then nearly the same number, 26, was said, said they didn't know enough about policies. And then uh, one in five couldn't work out who to vote for. So it's not surprising, this massive number of people, that, that one in three who didn't know about the candidates, that would equate to about, um, about 800,000 people. So that's uh, an amazing failure of communication, really. Um, but then, then you've got these administrative issues, like you, you mentioned, there's 10% not registered, 11% say they didn't get their fo- um, papers, 18% forgot to vote, um, and 16% they said they didn't know when voting finished. Um, and that's before you start counting the people who don't give a toss about politics and don't think they'll be heard properly. So, you know, that, that if I may, that, that um, it really points to me that there are, if we be positive, major opportunities to, to an end this ongoing and deepening failure of local democracy. Nice. That is, that is to fund people uh, or fund mm. uh, material on what people, who they really are, and what they really stand for. And I don't know why local government and government don't team up on some funding and give every candidate a template and say, fill out your name and everything else, but tell us uh, who you are and what you really stand for. And if That's they don't not a bad know, idea. They can, leave it, they can leave it blank. That's I not mean, a bad idea. So you've got this uniform template. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's worth talking about that because that is a significant block of the population that are completely and utterly unengaged. We've talked about this, but here's a uh, poll out today. Shall we go on the panel on this? Shall we start with you first, Julia? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we talked about it last time I was on, and I had I did do mine. Now, here's the terrible thing, and I'll be totally honest. The only reason I posted it was because I had to return something, and I, know, I knew where the post box was. I mean, how bad is that? Because, do you know, wow. a lot of it, I'm one of those... I'm one of those people that think, you know, he, kind of what's what's the point? Because do they ever listen, you know, to what you say? Or um, And who are these people? I mean, I think it's a good idea. We need to know who they are. We need to know about them. All right, stay there, Graham, and let's bring Max in as well. You can respond to both. And just a disclaimer here, Max, you worked uh, uh, for Fessa Collins on the Auckland mayoral campaign. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, Graham, I was just uh, – Wondering, uh, don't we already have a, a little bit of that information provided? I know in Auckland there was a, a website called Vote Auckland, and um, you know, on the forms there's a bit of a, a biographical information. I, mm. I just wonder what eleven percent of um, voting papers not arriving is, is a real disgrace, I think, as you say. And and do you think this strengthens the argument that that perhaps the electoral commission should be? running elections because you know at the moment we have um uh, local elections contracted out in lots of lots of places around the country well i'm just wondering whether the electoral commission would have any better idea on earth than uh, local councils on how to communicate about local council candidates they uh, don't communicate on uh, general election candidates all they do is encourage people to enroll and they get to about 82 percent enrollment uh, out of the hundred 
for a general election and then 82% uh, last election of the 82% enrolled actually voted. So I don't think it's a role for the Electoral Commission. I, I think between local government and government, they could get off their uh, bottoms and uh, actually deal with the real issues because how are you and I going to vote for someone we don't know anything about? That would make a massive difference. Others, uh, we polled it too, others thought, oh, let's go to online voting. But what we find with the non-voter at the last local government mm. election, 59% of them prefer online voting compared with 55% overall. So there's an incremental gain if you went online. Yeah. And uh, who on earth can remember the Auckland website, which tells us about Auckland candidates and amid all our busy lives, uh, whether we've got time to look it up? I didn't. I didn't look at it once. Interesting you said that, Max, actually. But, you know, I, I did vote, and I, I'm one of those people who do read the read the leaflets uh, there, Graham. Uh, but, but I do have to say, the leaflets are pretty dry, the candidate forms. Uh, could it be made easier? Could it be as something as simple as design, you know, less formal, bold design form, your top five policies and bold, almost like the template you're talking about? Well, what, you, what you've got is actually a demand. Uh, from potential voters to say, please give me some decent details. So like where um, I'm living, the local booklet, the, the booklet arrived from the council with 150 words, magnificent, from each candidate that they had supplied well before the campaign. And most of it was, I've lived here all my life. Um, I've belonged to the Boy Scouts and I've done this and I've done that. Um, and I'm going to, um, I'm passionate about where I live. And I'll listen to you and be open about it. Well, goodness me! But what are you actually going to do? And uh, that's what's missing. Very interesting so, stuff, yeah, why Brian. Don't yeah. we have a, why don't we have a template that, that actually provides an opportunity for them in advance to give the detail that electors or potential voters want, and then put that out. Uh, at, as part of the council effort, going to every elector and right. every voting pack. And why don't they buy ads as a council? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, we haven't got time to get into that, but maybe another time, Graham. Kia ora. Well, thanks they already for... do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, thanks for being with All us. Right. That's okay, Horizon Principal you. Graham Coleman there. Uh, new findings. One in, non, one in ten non-voters uh, didn't receive their voting papers and uh, get this. Um, 13% didn't vote because, quote, unquote, can't be bothered. Uh, 15 to 5, the panel. Now, over the past few months, a few instances of homophobia have been reported around Hobsonville Point here in Tamaki Makaurau. Now, Hobsonville Point is a notably inclusive suburb. In fact, every year, Hobsonville Point Secondary School hosts an event called the Little Gay Out. So naturally, the principal of the school assumed it would be safe to fly a rainbow flag in support of the day in the local LGBTQ community. Soon, though, his staff was getting harassed and he was forced to bring the flag down. When local Mark Kaneko caught wind of this, he came up with an idea to fight back against homophobia and it quickly caught traction. And from the 18th to the 28th of November, 300 pride flags will be raised around Hobsonville Point, including the one at the school. So with us is Hobsonville Point resident Mark Karneko. Mark, lovely to have you on the panel. Kia ora. Nice to be here. 
it's um, uh, before we get into the uh, the flag thing. It must be because I know Hobsonville Point going there um, uh, took the ferry out there last month to have a wonderful lunch. A jewel in the crown of Tamaki Makoto, such a gorgeous little community. You must be deeply, deeply disappointed that your uh, suburb is in the news around this. In a way, yes, but really, um, it all got eclipsed by the outpouring of support. As soon as this issue came up, the whole community came to came to life and said, mm. "This is not okay." What what what's actually sparked it? Can you tell us about how it sparked? You know, started it. So, um, as you were saying, there was a little gay out at the school, and one person came and got really aggressive. I understand about having them take the flag down and was filming them and shouting. Um, I wasn't there myself, but I mean that's really disappointing that the principal felt it wasn't safe for his pupils to have that mm. flag flying. That's really disappointing, but it was just one person. But then there is a house in the neighborhood that I'd heard a few years ago had got egged and they prominently display a pride flag. And when we were talking about this on the community Facebook pages, which are really, really um, well used, it turned out that happened a few more times. So that's when the idea came out that we needed to, as a community, show that this wasn't okay yeah. and we were supporting our rainbow community. Let's go around the panel on this, and then you can, we can come back to you, Mark. Julia? I just can't even understand, seriously, why anyone, and not just because it's 2022, but ever would have ever had a problem with gay people. I do not understand it. I, it, it, it baffles me. I mean, please. You know, and it's, it, it's just like kind of redneck behaviour. Um, having said that, I think a lot of religion, religion's got a lot to do with it. Stay there, uh, Mark, uh, Max. Yeah, um, it's really horrifying, as you say. And um, I guess it shows, you know, we can be a bit complacent sometimes, I think, in this country, talking about progress on marriage equality, but, you know, homophobia, transphobia, these are these are ongoing problems. Kind of interested, Mark, do you think um, there's more that, you know, councils and government can do as well to, to direct resources to support these kinds of solidarity actions? Um, it was really nice to see how the community, and we've got our resident society here in Hobsonville Point, which um, helped set up a community fund, which I applied for and got some some of the funding for the flags from. Um, it'd be nice. It's nice to see the overall organization supported. But really, for me, it was just about seeing everybody in the community, all the local businesses, everybody coming together as their choice individually to stand up and say something. Mm. And here we come to this um, this this period of time, the eighteenth to the twenty eighth of November. Tell us more about it. What's going to happen? So um, the concept simply was: if people were upset about one flag, how would they feel about hundreds? Um, and there was a huge amount of people interested in the community. A lot of funding. Uh, we found a supplier, and the budget went to three hundred flags, which seemed like a good number. We've largely distributed them all now. There's a few of our, a few flags in each of our suppliers, which are local businesses. And um, during that period, we're all going to fly the flags from our houses and businesses and just have them all on display and have the display show that this is a really safe, inclusive place. 
Just fantastic, Mark. And I can attest to uh, the wonderful community that you live in. I, I always love um, when I do make it to a Hobsonville point. Tell me, do you consider yourself an advocate, an activist, or just a, a community guy doing the right thing? <laughs> I Yeah, I certainly don't consider myself an a- activist. But it was a case of I had the idea, and I knew as soon as I said it, somebody was going to have to do it. And that somebody was going to be me. I guess my day job gave me the skills which allow mm. me to do sort of events and this kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I just stood up and made sure it could happen. Good on you, Mark. Thanks for being with us on the panel. Cheers. That's uh, Hobsonville Point resident uh, Mark Carnickle there. Um, what a disgrace, though, uh, Max, that um, a community has to put up with it, as Julia says, today. Yeah. In 2022. Uh, Nonetheless, here we are, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, the write-up of the article mentioned, you know, there's a few really great organisations like Rainbow Youth and Gender Minorities Mm. Aotearoa fighting against against this, but it's definitely an ongoing problem. Uh, And um, a bit of response to Adele, who's in his 60s, and, uh, you know, this is back to Julia's I've been thinking about uh, what is age and how do you feel your age. Glenn in Gisborne says, I'm 63, and I feel like I have the thinking of a 25-year-old, young at heart, and not a grumpy old man. The body ain't like a 25-year-old, but the thinking is... Good on you, Glenn. Don't want to become a grumpy old man until I get sick and probably demanding. Wonderful. Um, I'm 71, says someone, and I rung rings around other staff, young enough to be my grandchildren. And no, I'm not hyperactive. Uh, thanks so much for uh, your response. Cheers, Julia, says 53 here and three weeks out from finishing a natural medicine degree. You are so right. Age is in your head, is Ali's point of view. Now, I was really interested Uh, In this, in the crazy urban planning design segment, we go to the community of Pegasus, a town 25 kilometres north of uh, Ototahi Christchurch, and there's a street light bang in the middle of a newly paved road, smack bang in the middle of a jolly road, and it's become a bit of an attraction to discuss as Pegasus Residence Group Incorporated spokesperson Heidi Wood. Welcome, Heidi. Hello. How are you doing? Well, how are you? And hasn't this had a lot of interest? Are you surprised oh. how much? <laughs> I have, we have, actually. It's very much gone a bit sort of uh, viral. There's been a lot of uh, media retention, a lot of um, people querying, really, why the um, poll is there. But one of our residents spotted it a few days ago and put a photo on our community Facebook page, and from there it's just been... The comment's been a little bit hilarious. It's just, yeah. Taken off, exploded. Why is the light there? Describe, uh, what does it look like? It's, it's, it's actually a street, and on the crossroads, there's a lamppost in the middle of it. Yes, it's just, uh, it's just a street. It's a, a, so basically, there's an empty lot uh, just down from the school in Pegasus that's been developed for housing. And so the light, I think, was put in the wrong location, and then it was uh, accidentally sealed around it. Although I have to note that the seal job is 
pretty good. Um, but the, yeah, the lamppost is in the wrong spot. So the, I think the councillor involved now, the road isn't open to the public, so it's not a legal road um, as such, and it's fenced off. But uh, it's going to be moved to the other side of the development and then, then of course, resealed there. But I think it's just provided a little bit of light relief for um, for Pegasus residents after the fires that we had last week. So yeah. it was a bit of a scary time, yeah. Well, and also light relief for New Zealand. Uh, Max, did you see the picture? <laughs> I did see the picture. Um, I was just trying to get the order of things right in my head, Heidi. Like, uh, and was it on a, a subdivision? And so, did the did, was the light the lamppost there first, and then the road went through? Or was I it the other way around? Something like that. Yeah, but basically, the it's a whole new sort of housing development going in in this last uh, big sort of area in Pegasus. And uh, yeah, I'm assuming that somebody uh, bit a bit of communication mix up there. I would imagine. Mm. Julia Hartley Moore. Oh, I'd like to know what those boys have for smoko. Um, that that. <laughs> Put the seal around that that light. I mean, seriously, it looks it looks unbelievable sitting there all on its own in the middle of the road. I mean, you couldn't even move around it, drive around it, do no. anything. It's just, how could you no, seal it? it? I mean, how could you? So, what's in this? Great question. How could you seal it? Yeah, what was in lunch? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that going on. There's been some great suggestions on the Facebook page, though, in terms of the Facebook group, the locals, saying is what we could do. We could turn it into a village maypole was a suggestion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm not sure about that. I think it's going to get moved before we get a chance. <laughs> I love it. A village maypole. Um, <laughs> so, look. Are you keen to just leave it there because it could become a South Island attraction? It could be like the groins in St. Clair's Beach. <laughs> Hopefully, no. I'm pretty sure it's going to get moved, but, uh, you know, it does put some smiles on faces, so that's the main thing, just a bit of, bit of fun. But, yeah, the council taking it seriously. They'll be moving that, I'm sure. There you go. Julie says Julie wants to come and visit it. the lamp. It could be the entrance to Narnia. dollars <laughs> 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 $10, $10 a head. Look, I want to know. I've had a really deep and abiding interest, and don't don't ask me why. In manufactured towns, be they Milton Keynes, Canberra, oh. or Celebration in the US, very interested in towns that have not been beside a river or a port, because that's what Pegasus is. It's it's it's, an, it's actually a manufactured town. I don't mean that disparagingly, by the way, because I've been there. Very nice. Oh, it's a, it's a pretty special spot. I mean, we're really blessed to have, um, you know, the, the lake is man-made, but we have the wetlands around us with yeah. the Two High Tara Trust. We've got um, that, you know, look after all the land along the beach um, from, um, like, down by Kaipui right through to Waikuku. So, you know, the beach is right there. I mean, I just jump in the car and I'm down the beach not very long. I can get on my bike and go for rides through pine forests. I mean, it's... It's pretty special, and it's a really good, um, a lovely community in there. You know, everyone sort of looks after each other. So, so it's not, yeah, it's not the, it's not the Truman Show. No, no, definitely not. No, no, no. We've no, got no, no. really mixed demographic of people living there as well. You know, there's lots of different ages and stages on, and yeah. families, and yeah. I want to come back. I want to come back <laughs> and see the light. Heidi Cura, <laughs> thanks for that. And oh, Max, Max Harris, Julia Hartley Moore. Have a wonderful weekend both, won't you? Thank you, Wallace. Thank you. Yeah, kia ora. Thanks for being with us. I'm Wallace Chapman. Friday afternoon. Checkpoint next. 
Big thanks to my wonderful producer Sam Hollis on Back Monday, 3.45. Till then. <laughs>